Well, we are continuing on in our series of Experiencing God, and this week we are focusing on God speaking, and there is enough in, if you're following along in the materials, if you're reading the book, it talks about a number of ways in which God speaks to us uh, enough, and it's, it's a significant enough subject that uh, breaking it up into a couple different messages. So I'll start on this subject uh, this Sunday, and then rather than have a you know 45 minute or hour long sermon, we're going to break it up, and then next week uh, Stan Shipley will be with you, and he'll be bringing the message, and he will continue along the same theme um, and focus on some different aspects of how God speaks to us. So the passage that you have there uh, printed before you is a passage that should be coming uh, somewhat familiar. The author of Experiencing God, Blackaby, comes back to John 14 in particular uh, several different times. And so John 14 verses 15 through 17 is where we'll start and then take a look specifically at how God speaks to us. I no longer call you servants, Jesus said, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from the Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Will you pray with me? God, we ask your blessing upon this time as we investigate your word, as we think about the subject of your speaking to us and our ability to hear you clearly, Lord. Communication can be difficult, even amongst one another, Lord, let alone with a God that we can't physically see or touch or hear most of the time. So, Lord, we, we ask that you would open the eyes of our heart, open our ears, open our minds to what you would speak to us through your word this day. Amen. Amen. Our relationships are, yeah. What, what is, the verses recorded there is not John 14, 15, 17. Okay. If, there, if there's a mistake in the bulletin, then um, when we get to it in the, ser in the sermon, I'll make sure to highlight for you, okay? Okay. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Our relationships are dependent on clear communication, and this includes our closest relationships, our relationships with Jesus, of course, but also with, say, our spouse. But communication can be tricky. For instance, the other night, my wife Kim nudged me and she said, you weren't even listening, were you? And I thought, well, that's a funny way to start a conversation. It's a bad joke. I got a groan out of Kim. Yeah. Speaking of strange conversations, a friend who practices law uh, shared this one with me. A woman came into an attorney's office and said, I want to divorce my husband. Okay, the attorney responds, let's start with a few questions first. Like what, she asks. Well, do you have any grounds? Yes, we have about five acres out in the country, but I don't see why that's important. No, 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 I mean, do you have a grudge? 
No, we don't have a garage, but we have a nice wide carport and a storage shed. <laughs> well, let me ask this a different way. The attorney says, do you have any complaints about him? Well, like what? Well, does he beat you up? Well, no, I'm up at least an hour before him every day. <laughs> well, he says, what about your role in all of this? Do you, do you ever wake up grouchy? She says, no, when he's in a bad mood, I just let him sleep. <laughs> Exasperated, the attorney finally asked, why exactly do you want to get a divorce? Well, she replies, the guy just can't communicate. <laughs> so communication, it involves not just speaking, but ensuring that someone is listening well and can understand what's being said. Last week we talked about how God is speaking, how God accomplishes his purposes. When we listen to God, we have the privilege to join with him in his activity in the world. And God takes our hearing and listening to him for direction seriously. In John 8, 47, in John 8, 47, if you want to turn there, Phyllis, John 8, 47, Jesus says, he who belongs to God hears what God says. He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason, Jesus said to his audience there, the reason that you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Now we belong to God, so we should be hearing what God is saying. And based on my conversations with many of you, you have been hearing from God. Some of the things you've been hearing have, have been easier to digest than others, but, but you're listening and you're hearing and you're seeking guidance on how to respond. Now, sometimes on the heels of a message like last week's, we might, we might feel a twinge in our conscience, a spiritual nudge in one direction or another, and that we have a sense that it, it might be God speaking to us. After all, we concluded the worship service last Sunday by mimicking Samuel's words to the Lord, saying, Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Now, based on what you might hear or sense in your spirit as a result to that request of the Lord, it's, it's still possible to have doubts. Or maybe if not doubts, just a difficulty in articulating how what you've learned is going to change anything for you. For instance, how would you respond to someone who asked, well, how do you know that it was God that spoke to you? How do you know that that voice you heard wasn't just, you know, your conscience or some, you know, little kind of intuition? It's natural to ask the question, how do I know I can hear God speak? God speaks in many different ways to his people. Today we're going to examine a few and see how we can apply what we learn to our experience of God. Hebrews 1.1, right? So the very opening of the book of Hebrews, the author of that book says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through prophets at many times and in many ways or in various ways. For the writer of Hebrews, the author is, is clearly speaking about Israel's historic interactions with God. 
So as we examine scripture, we find in the Old Testament that God spoke through uh, a number of mediums, all right? And here's just a couple of them. One, he, he spoke through angels, right? So scripture sometimes specifically references an angel of the Lord, and at other times it might be less obvious. For example, in Genesis 16, an angel of the Lord speaks to Hagar after Sarai turns her out of Abram's house. And it's not clear from scripture if Hagar understands that she's speaking to an angel of the Lord right away, but she she receives that message of, of the Lord to return back to Abram's house. So angels, all right, that's just one example. There's lots of examples, of course. Visions, so God speaks through angels, God speaks through visions. Um, Abram's nighttime vision, the one we read today in scripture, uh, where, where Jacob has the, the vision of the angels ascending and descending, um, that was also that vision, sometimes in visions, it's hard to tell in scripture if, if the person, because they have their vision at night, if they're dreaming or not. So God also speaks through dreams. So we've got angels, visions, dreams, uh, specifically Jacob's dream of that, uh, of the, the stairway to heaven. And then when he wakes up because of that dream, he says, surely I must be in this place where the Lord lives. God's house. So he names the place Bethel, which means house of the Lord in Genesis 28. So angels, visions, dreams. We also get symbolic actions. In previous sermons, we've highlighted that uh, scripture in Jeremiah chapter 18, where Jeremiah the prophet is instructed by, by the Lord to go down to the potter's house and see the potter working at the wheel. And when the when the pot is, is messed up and it starts over, then, then the Lord speaks through through that, seeing that sort of spiritual object lesson and says to him the message that he wants to get across. So symbolic actions. Um, also a gentle whisper, right? So not always is it big and flashy and showy. In fact, uh, Elijah, in 1 Kings 19, specifically draws that contrast between the earthquake and the fire and the whirlwind. And God's voice wasn't in any of that. It was in the, the still small whisper that remained after all of the big show. And then uh, lastly for now, miraculous signs. Miraculous signs are all throughout scripture, but in the Old Testament, um, the, this author of Hebrews would have been pointing to, I'm sure he would have had in mind the story of Exodus and Moses leading the people of Israel. You know, the 10 plagues, each of those was a miraculous sign uh, spoken directly against the false gods of Egypt and speaking to the power of the true God. So that's not an exhaustive list. It's just meant to kind of illustrate the point that God is speaking to his people. And we have a record of that in scripture. And applying this truth to our lives, we might think it's important and that the important foundational aspect to hearing from God is to identify well, how God speaks. All right, so we've got this list and now we're gonna, we're, we're gonna look for God to speak in those ways. But if that's our starting point, 
I think we're coming at it from the wrong perspective. You see, the more important issue for us should be that God does speak. God does speak. And that we have a record of this throughout the history of the human race, that God is speaking to his creation, to us as his people. And how he speaks only comes after that. But we really need to be grounded in the fact that God is speaking to us. We must have, as Jesus often said, and you read throughout the scriptures, it says sometimes at the end of his parables or the end of his teachings, you might be familiar with this phrase if you've been around church for a while. Jesus is saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, if you basically like, hey, if you've got ears, use them, right? If you're paying attention, understand I'm talking to you in a significant way right now. Jesus didn't mean the people who heard him, that they weren't really hearing, as in being deaf to the words that he was speaking and that some others could hear, or that maybe those that were close by him, you know, because he didn't have amplification, that, you know, oh, okay, those that are close enough, you could hear, but but you in the back, if you could, you know, somebody tell them what I just said. That wasn't the point of what he was saying. He was talking about the rips, the receptivity of our hearts. Our minds being open, our lives being prepared to be obedient to God's direction. So God is speaking. We hear God every day. I'm convinced of that. But now we need ears to hear, those ears to hear that Jesus spoke of. When looking at God speaking to individuals in Scripture, there are four important factors that come into play. Four important factors. We're going to focus our attention now on the Old Testament specifically since that was the focus of Hebrews passage and draw kind of historical interactions of the people of Israel linking it to our experiences as New Testament people or New Covenant believers. First, when God spoke, it was unique to that individual. When God spoke, it was unique to that individual. For example, Moses had no precedent for the burning bush experience. He couldn't say, oh, that's right. You know what? Um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they all had their burning bush experience, and now, now it's my turn. Up to this point in time, there's no other incident that Moses could have based his encounter on God upon where God spoke from a burning bush. That was a unique encounter. God was doing something unique, and because it was unique, it caught Moses' attention. Now, how Moses responded was important. If he had based his response on the fact that this was unique and that God had never done that before, that there it wasn't a part of some formula that had been handed down in terms of how God's people interacted with God, expecting God to speak only in ways that he had previously, then he very much could have said, you know what, this burning bush is not God speaking. It's obviously a sign that I've had too much sun, and it's causing me to hallucinate. I don't need to investigate. I need to hydrate. I'm, I'm clearly dehydrated, and I'm, I'm seeing things. Okay? I uh, had a chance to sit in on the Thursday night small group this last week, and one of the things that was shared in that small group, uh, one of the individuals said, you know what? I think I've been hearing from God my whole life. 
I just didn't realize. And I said, ding, 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 ding. Exactly. I mean, sometimes, sometimes the way that God speaks to us, it's just, it's just a matter of us being attentive to that's, that's God's voice. That's not coincidence. That's not, that's God's voice. That's not just our, our intuition or our concern over a situation. Now, thankfully, Moses recognized that God was speaking to him, even though it was a unique experience. But, but let's say he, he was receptive to that, like he was, and, but he's living nowadays. He could have taken this experience, like we do today, as normative for everybody else. Right? Moses could have said, God spoke to me in the burning bush, and if you're truly an authentic follower of God, you will have your burning bush experience. And he could have, uh, he probably would have been a, approached by some Christian publishing house to write his book, you know, The Burning Bush, you know, Five Steps to Encountering God, and, and How to Hear from God, Finding Your Burning Bush. He could have cranked out, you know, curriculum on it and all that sort of thing. But... And how many well-meaning Christians would have purchased that book and said, okay, finally, something that's going to show me how to hear from God. Now, you may be thinking, this is ironic. Isn't that what you're doing with us right now, Pastor Chris? Are we going through a curriculum that uses the imagery of Moses and the burning bush? Yes, but some of you, I know some of you have voiced to me at times that, that you're a little bit frustrated that the curriculum isn't laying out some kind of formula. That it's more about how to cultivate a life where you're hearing from God and listening to God, and they can't just check off boxes. That God is interested in building up in us a certain character rather than certain behaviors where we can guarantee, okay, if I do X, Y, and Z, then God is certainly going to speak to me. So even at this point that God speaks to us uniquely, you can, you can understand why a book can't be written around that because you'd have to you have to write down for every unique individual, even in this room, how God is going to potentially speak to you. So I know that if we're listening and we're attuned to God's voice, that God is going to speak differently to me than he's going to speak to you and that that's okay. You know, lots of folks want a shortcut. They want a shortcut. They want a shortcut to, to spiritual maturity, a, a shortcut to spiritual enlightenment. And so there's going to be no shortage of gurus or individuals out there that say, well, just do these things and then you'll be a mature Christian. But I don't think there is a shortcut. I don't think there's a shortcut, at least not in the sense that we can latch on to somebody else's experience and somehow make it our own. I think the only shortcut that's out there is relationship. So whatever for you feeds your relationship with God, do that, because that's what God is after. God's after a relationship with you that's personal. Not that you would look to me or that you would look to somebody else here in this fellowship that, that you think has kind of got it together, quote unquote, and say, well, I, I'll just do what they do. You know, they, they seem, this seems to be really important for them, then I'll do that. So when God spoke, it was unique. 
to that individual. That's kind of the first important factor. Secondly, when God spoke, the person was sure that God was speaking. The person was sure that God was speaking. The very fact that God spoke to Moses in a unique way, I think helped Moses identify that God was speaking. He didn't have to question that God was speaking. In fact, he kind of took for granted that God was speaking and said, hey, tell me your name. Like, I know you're God, but, but when I try to relate this experience to the Israelites, they're going to say, well, well, how do we know you were talking to the God, right? How do we know you were talking to the big guy? What is, what's your name? Tell me your name so I can share it. And Exodus 3.14 records God identifying himself, saying, I am who I am. Moses trusted God, obeyed him, and experienced God in a special way. Now, you might not be able to prove to anybody else that you heard God speak. And if you want that kind of proof for yourself or for others, you'll, you'll likely be disappointed. For instance, can you imagine the skepticism that Moses would have encountered if he had had that burning bush experience today? You know, Moses, prove to me that it was God that spoke to you. Moses, did you did you actually see God? I mean, you saw a burning bush, but was that God? Are you sure? Or Moses, I'm afraid we cannot accept your version of the story that you heard God speak because there's no scientific evidence unless you can replicate the so-called meeting that you had with God. Then we're not going to accept your word as true. You see, all Moses could do was testified to his own personal encounter with God. All Moses could do was testify to his own personal encounter with God. And the best evidence that you can give that you have heard God is that how you have changed as a result. Your obedience, faith, trust, and resulting peace and confidence are likely to be more impactful than whatever other proof you could conjure up, right? Let's say Moses walked over to the bush and broke off a branch, carried it around and said, this is a piece of the, you know, the burning bush. Would that convince you? That wouldn't convince me. I would have been like, oh, great, you got a stick, okay? A stick that didn't burn up, which you said was on fire. So, so even if we could conjure up some sort of physical evidence for somebody that God spoke to us, the, the best evidence that God spoke to us is how our lives changed as a result and how people observe that. So in a sense, we are the evidence. So when God spoke, the person was sure that God was speaking, and because they were sure, they, they obeyed. Thirdly, when God spoke, God spoke the person doing precisely what God said. It wasn't some kind of mixed up mumbo jumbo nonsense that people couldn't understand or something, you know, kind of that you could interpret in a bazillion different ways like Nostradamus or some, some other sort of spiritual individual. The people opened their ears and hearts and, and then they knew precisely what God was saying and doing. Moses knew what God was telling him to do, right? He knew what God was telling him to do. That was not the problem in why he, in fact, he argued with God because he knew 
where God was asking him to do it, and he didn't want to do it. You could come up with all sorts of reasons not to do it. So Moses balked at God's instructions, not because they weren't clear, it's because they were really clear. And he didn't feel like he had the ability to complete the task. The message was clear. Moses had to decide if he was going to respond. So we see that when God spoke, it was unique to that individual. First. Secondly, that the person was sure that it was God that was speaking. Third, that when God spoke, the person knew precisely what God had said. And then fourthly and lastly, when God spoke, that was the encounter with God. When God spoke, that was the encounter with God. It would have been silly for Moses to say, you know, what a, what a wonderful experience I've had here before the burning bush. I hope this leads me to my encounter with God. The fact is the burning bush was his encounter with God. And when God reveals a truth to you, by whatever means, that is your encounter with God. An encounter with God is, is simply an experience of his presence in our lives. This is why many of you may not recognize just how often you are having an experience with God. Have you experienced God's presence in your life? A time when you felt God is here. Well, then that's your experience with God. Have you felt God's presence in worship? In your scripture reading? In your devotional time? In study or in prayer? Well, that was an experience with God. This is what it means to experience God. You see, God is the, is the only person that could cause you to experience his presence. So let's take a look at the most common ways that God speaks to us. And I'm just going to cover two of them today. And then next week's stand will we'll continue on along this theme. But I want to cover the most, most common ways. First, God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit. We've spoken about, you know, the first part of this sermon was about God speaking to individuals in the Old Testament. And specifically looking at a couple of the ways that, that he did that. But how does this apply in the New Testament? Well, take the disciples for a moment. They had walked with Jesus and had talked with Jesus, just as Moses had met with God face to face at the burning bush. So too, the disciples met face to face with God through their personal relationship that they had with Jesus. So their encounter with Jesus was an encounter with God. To hear Jesus was to hear from God. But what about the early church onward from, from Acts to today? You know, sometimes when we, we move from the Gospels to Acts into the present, we kind of we change our whole mindset. We live as if God maybe stopped speaking. You know, he kind of got the early church going, you know, gave it a little bit of momentum and then shoved it up. And then that's it. The Spirit's not speaking. We fail to realize that an encounter with the Holy Spirit is an encounter with God. From the day of Pentecost, recorded in Acts, and on and on, God clearly spoke to his people and speaks to his people. He clearly speaks to us today. God has been speaking by his Holy Spirit to the church. See, the Holy Spirit actually takes up 
residence in silence. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 16 says, Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, you yourselves are God's temple and the spirit, God's spirit lives in you. And later in the same book in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Paul writes to the church and he says, he tells them that their, that their body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and, and we have received God into our very selves and that that should affect the way we treat our bodies. It makes sense that if the Holy Spirit indwells us and is always present with us as Christians, that, that the Holy Spirit can speak to us clearly and at any time and in any number of ways. You see, the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us into truth and teaches us all things. We understand spiritual truth because the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. We cannot understand, for instance, the Word of God unless the Spirit of truth teaches us. In John 14, verses 15 through 17 and 26, and then a little bit later, in John 16, verses 7 and 13, Jesus himself says a couple of things to this, um, to this point. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Okay, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 26, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Later on in John 16, verse 7. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And in verse 13 of John 16. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. You see, the author himself of God's word makes himself present in our lives to instruct us and guide us. This is the incredible thing about God, that we, we never have to discover hidden, mysterious truths. Truth is revealed. It's revealed. It's right there in front of us. So when the Holy Spirit reveals truth to you, especially in your study or your devotional time or your prayer time, He's not leading you into an encounter with God. That's the encounter with God. You're having it right in that moment when you sense God's presence. Therefore, we encounter God in our lives continually. This is why it's so important to respond to God as God reveals his plans and purposes to us. Our response affects our relationship and our sensitivity to hearing and encountering God. What we do next after we feel like God is speaking to us or the Holy Spirit nudges us through his word or otherwise is crucial. Often when God speaks to us, we make the, the same mistake that Moses was tempted to do. We want to have a lengthy discussion. We want to talk about our qualifications for the job or, or why we don't need to do what God is leading us to do. But last week's example of Samuel 
shows us how taking action on, on God's words immediately, when we're hearing, makes a difference in that person's ability to continue to hear from God. So what is it that God reveals when he speaks? He reveals himself, his purposes, and his ways. Himself, his purposes, and his ways. So the Holy Spirit speaks to us as God's children to guide us, direct us, and correct us. So the Holy Spirit speaks to us. So that's the, the main one. Another way that God speaks to us is through his inspired and holy word. We're going to end with this point. God speaks to us in the Bible. That's why, especially in the Reformed Church, right, the Protestant tradition, that the Bible and Bible teaching and Bible study and, and sermons that, that tell the truths of the Bible is such an important part of who we are and what we do. God speaks through the Bible. The Bible is the first and foremost answer to the following questions. How does God speak to me? All right. Those points that I made earlier in the sermon, where did I get them? Did I just make, make them up? No, it's, it's a, this, is, this is what we see as a pattern in Scripture. Different ways that God can speak. Also, how can I know when God is speaking? We get that direction from the Bible as well. And how can God be more real and more personal to me? So those people that say, well, I just, God feels distance, right? Or I don't, I don't really feel God's presence in my life. I say, well, how, how often are you in scripture? Say, well, I don't, I don't really do Bible study. Well, like, you know, I, last week I used the example of my relationship with, with Kim and our celebrating her 25 years of marriage together. Imagine if just once once a week, you know, she wrote me a, a little letter or a note. You know, and then we get together to celebrate our 20, 25th anniversary. She says, she says, you know, those those notes, I really poured my my heart out to you. You know, what what'd you think about those? I pull out a whole box of her notes unopened unread, what would that communicate, right? Not that I loved her, clearly. And I think in the same way, if God, if we're, if we're saying to God, God speak to us, and then God's saying, well, I have spoken to you in my word, the Bible, and we don't take time to, to be in it or consider it, then it's, it's the same sort of foolishness of not opening those love letters. The fact is, we have seen. God speaks to individuals. He can do it in any way that he pleases. But just because he can do it in any way he pleases doesn't mean that we can't, that we want to ignore the ways that he has clearly spoken to his people in his word. And these ideas of, of you know, visions or dreams or some of the things that kind of sound a little bit cooler than just doing Bible study, it's not an either-or thing. It's not like either God is going to speak to me through the Bible or God is going to give me visions and dreams. Right? The times that I have, in my experience, and it's not a lot, but the times that I've had visions or dreams have been those times when I've been most immersed in God's Word. And I was kind of wrestling with the truths of God's Word and then had those experiences as a result. And then I knew that they were valid because they lined up with God's word. 
And I think that's important, that it's not an either or, it's a both and, and it's important that they go together. Because God is not a God of confusion. If I come to you, if I came to the leadership of this church, and I said, God gave me this vision, and then I started spewing out some kind of nonsense, but the leadership team said, oh, uh, that doesn't really sound biblical. You know, we're reading here in the Bible. I say, no, 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 never mind the Bible. This is what God's calling us to do. No, that's not the way God works. I want to quote Blackaby and King here, because I think they're helpful. They're right. God speaks through a variety of means. We know that. In the present, God primarily speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church. These four means are really difficult to separate. God uses prayer and the Bible together. Often, circumstances and the church or, or other believers will help confirm what God is saying to you. Frequently, God uses circumstances and the church to help you know it is time. You see, all these components come together as parts of our knowing God's voice and confirming that we've heard properly. The Bible is God's complete revelation of himself to humanity. God speaks to us through the Bible, and the Holy Spirit reveals the truth of God's word to us. Without the Spirit's input, we wouldn't understand the spiritual truths found in God's word. Now, for instance, um, in speaking about the, the Bible, the Bible speaks about itself in Ephesians 6.17 and 1 Corinthians 2.14. Talk about the Bible as, as being God's offensive weapon for the believer to battle the world, our flesh, and the devil. Things that get in the way of our relationship with God and God's intention for us and all of creation. Ephesians 6.17 speaks of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So if the Bible is God's inspired, spirit-filled sword, or God's word to us, it stands for reason that it being spirit-filled, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to those that don't have the assistance of the spirit. That 1 Corinthians 2, 14 passage says, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So with that said, how do, you, how do you hear God speak through Scripture? I can tell you, God speaks through Scripture, but how do you do it? Right? Let's look at this step by step. This is the last point. The sequence is this. You read the Bible. Right? You're reading God's words. There's words on the page. You're digesting them. You're reading them. The Spirit of truth takes God's word and reveals its truth to you. So, a lot of times when I'm reading scripture, even if I don't verbalize this, what I'm thinking is, in light of what I have read, how is God asking me to respond? So sometimes that response is an action. I'm supposed to do something different. Sometimes it's just a, a change of attitude. Sometimes I realize in reading scripture, oh, I've been thinking wrongly about this. Then you adjust your life to the truth that God has revealed to you. Your thinking, your attitudes, your beliefs, your actions. Whatever it is, it's going to be different depending on what scripture you're reading. You're reading. And then as you obey God's name, God works in and through you to accomplish his purposes. 
So that's how it works. You read the Bible, you ask it. You're not reading it primarily for how it applies, but you should, there should be some sort of response. How is God speaking to me through this word? The Holy Spirit applies it to your life, and then you do something or you think differently or your attitudes are different as a result. So we've covered some important ground today. I wanna, I wanna review these points. First, God speaks to us as his children. The fact that God speaks to us is more important than how he speaks. If you say, well, I'll, I'll, God, God spoken to me in scripture and sometimes in prayer, but somebody else, you know, they've had visions or they've had dreams that they feel like of God, and I, I'd really like that. But no, you know what's most important is God is speaking to you. You're having an encounter with God. That should be the most important. Secondly, when God speaks to us, that is the encounter with God. As we grow in our love relationship with him, we'll become more attuned to his voice. Thirdly, an encounter with the Holy Spirit is an encounter with God. We can only know that spiritual truth because God's Spirit resides in us. God speaks uniquely to individuals. He doesn't follow a set formula. He speaks to us in any ways that He pleases. I want to leave you with this. In terms of hearing from God, remember, kind of alluded to this earlier, He's not going to lead you in a direction that's in opposition to his written word in the Bible. If, if you sense in prayer or whatever you sense you're hearing from God in prayer runs contrary to scripture, then it's wrong. You're not hearing from God. If a dream or a vision directs you to do something that cannot be backed up by scripture, it's not from God. So watch for God to use his written word to confirm what you're sensing in prayer or what you, you think you may have received in terms of the Spirit's action in your life. If you aren't sure, take it to your small group, take it to the pastor, take it to the leadership team, or do any number of people in your life that you trust will give you godly counsels and, and examine the scriptures with you. God is speaking, we're listening. God will accomplish his purposes in and through us for his glory. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you do speak to us. We thank you that we have your word, which is all we need to know that you love us and care for us and that you want to be in relationship with us to affect this world for your kingdom, for your kingdom purposes. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you, you speak to us each day. Help us to be attuned to it in our times of prayer, in our times of Bible reading. Lord, maybe you're even going to give some of us visions or dreams or impressions that, that then we can come back and check with your word and see if it's, if it's your voice that we're hearing clearly. You started last week by saying, Lord, speak for your servants who are listening. Help us now as we discern how you're speaking to us. Thank you that we can stand firmly on the promises of your word, that you love us, that you care for us, that you have saved each and every one of us from the, the guilt of our sin and have given us the gift of eternal life. Help us now to walk worthy 
of the calling that you've given us as your sons and daughters. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen.